0: Welcome to Tits Up. When things go Tits Up, they're broken. Tits Up can also mean brave up and get on with it. This is what we do as mothers. When things are broken, we pull up our big girl pants and we wade through the mud. This episode of Tits Up is sponsored by My Booby Business Bootcamp a business course for lactation consultants wanting to set up or grow your private practice. Yeah, yeah so you're supporting the whole family, aren't you? You know, you're part of a team that supports the whole
1: family. Um, difficult feelings that you can experience as a parent, but I think one of the strongest is not really knowing how to support your child. Well, our mental health is our physical health in a lot of ways, a time where they're quite anxious or distressed I don't really know what that child's baseline is but the parent does
0: Mm. yeah that's a really good point isn't it because where's the perfect parent and what is it anyway
1: (laughs) yeah it doesn't exist does it
0: (laughs) where did I get that one from and she just looked at me my friend looked at me absolutely stunned and said she's just like her mother and I went well actually she is a bit
1: They reflect so much back at us. It's about being a little bit of a detective with the parent and working out what is going on with the child. That's really hard
0: for me, but her baby's waking up 10 times a night, so I shouldn't complain.
1: Yeah. (laughs) We don't need to um, have compassion on a budget.
0: No, no. That's right. Yeah, that's a good one. Hello and welcome to Tits Up. Our guest today is Rebecca Sifai. Rebecca is a psychologist from the Blue Mountains in Australia and the mum of two young children. She's worked with children and families for nearly 10 years in a range of roles, including as a school counsellor, playgroup facilitator, early childhood intervention therapist and assessor. Rebecca often talks openly about how, after becoming a mum herself, she was confronted with a myriad of misinformation and conflicting advice surrounding parenthood and child development. And that became the motivating force for her business growing gently psychology and we'll put the rest of that information in the show notes so you can find out and find out where to go if you need some help from Rebecca or where to follow her for some inspiration so welcome Rebecca
1: thanks Pinky I'm so excited to be talking with you today
0: Oh well I'm excited to be talking to you. Firstly what inspired you to become a psychologist?
1: That's a great question. Um, I um, have always kind of liked that helping people and connecting with people and I was quite young actually when I decided um, that I wanted uh, to be a psychologist. I actually started off I volunteered um, at a before and after school care when I was in high school and I um, loved working with the children and that's definitely where my passion was and still is um but I particularly had like a soft spot for those children um that are kind of struggling in some way either you know they they've got um, some difficulties um or they're in difficult family situations and I just had this really strong desire to um help them um and then I kind of set out. I um, started studying um, counseling um, and then I moved into a psychologist degree um, just because there was a lot more options um, once you're a psychologist you know you have access to things like um, Medicare rebates and you you study quite broadly and so I got into psychology and I but I always had in my mind that I would end up working with um, children and families and and this is um I think psychology is a great way that you can um connect and work really deeply um with families um particularly during the hard moments so yeah Yeah,
0: you're supporting the whole family aren't you you know you're part of a team that supports the whole family
1: that's how i see myself yes yeah
0: yeah i took one of my children my youngest child we had some family crisis go on you know deaths in the family and a very sick husband and I just saw that, you know, the psychologist that I reached out to was, it it was another person in the team of people for my child's wellness and someone to support me through, you know, how I could help my child.
1: Yeah, that's it. None of us live in like isolation. So, you know, children don't live in isolation. Parents don't live in isolation. Um, So to me, it just makes sense to support everyone in, you know, the child's life or the family's life. Um, and as you said, it's about creating that team around the whole family.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, the the parents bring their child to see you and then they're the constant in their child's life. So they need some support, some skills, some strategies too, don't they?
1: Yeah, I think that there's a lot of like diff- um, difficult feelings that you can experience as a parent. But... I think one of the strongest is not really knowing how to support your child. Like that can be quite um, heartbreaking for a parent. And so I see that if ever I'm working with a child, it's also about working with the parent to make them feel um, comfortable um, and confident and skilled in supporting their child. Because, you know, I might see a child, um, you know, at the most, usually I see them weekly, if not fortnightly, sometimes even less than that, depending on, um, you know, the program that the child's in and the resources that are available. And the rest of the time, that child is with their parents or their, their family or um, their educators and their teachers and the other people in their life. So, you know, I'm not there all the time. So I see my role in building the capacity of those that are supporting the children So that the child can be supported, not just in the hour psychology session, but throughout um, their entire day and week. So,
0: yeah, and that's so important. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I guess when we think as parents that we're going to take our child to a psychologist, there's a lot of fear and shame around that, I think, for a lot of parents. I mean, I don't see that at all. And I've actually got a daughter who's a psychologist who works with children and families. So, you know, now I don't see anything wrong with it. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's lots of fear and shame. And I guess one of these fears is around being judged as a parent, you know, either by the professional or perhaps by other parents. You know, she's taking her kid to a psychologist. What's wrong with her?
1: Yeah, and I think that there's still so much stigma around mental health. I mean, we've come... long way that you know now we're talking about mental health um but mental health still isn't seen as um equal to physical health even though they're so deeply connected um you know our physical health well our mental health is our physical health in a lot of ways um but it's still you know people will take their child you know to their gp or to um Uh, you know an ears nose and throat doctor just say for specialist support when there's a physical problem um but there's still a lot of stigma in um seeing a psychologist and I think that kind of goes back to maybe um not quite knowing um what a psychologist is or maybe even you know past experiences that um people or society have had with um um, psychologists, um, because psychologists, you know, we're the ones that dig deeper, we're the ones that open things up, and that can feel really vulnerable and make us feel really um, uns- unsettled. Unsettled. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, psychologists, you know, we are here to um, join with you, particularly, you know, if you're, you bring your child to me, you know, I'm not the expert. I don't see myself as the expert. Expert in that situation you're the expert parents are the expert in their child they're they the ones that know their child inside out and back the front um they know what their child's normal is they know what their child's behaviors and emotions are when things aren't normal for running the child smoothly. yeah not running yeah smoothly. exactly yeah. you know there's such a wide degree of variation that you know if I've seen a child at a time where they're quite anxious or distressed i don't really know what that child's baseline is but the parent does mm,
0: yeah that's a really good point isn't it yeah. yeah
1: so parents when they're coming to therapy they actually are bringing so much knowledge and skills and experiences um, and often that gets forgotten and they think that they're just coming to and that i am or the the psychologist is the expert but really it's like what you say it's really about just us, um, parents and psychologists meeting together and forming a team.
0: And um, Has being a parent yourself influenced your work even more in this direction?
1: Yeah, so I was—I've always been quite uh, an advocate for um, supporting parents, and you know, when I'm working with children, even before I was a parent, a lot of my um, support was um, aimed at parents and support. Wanting parents to build their capacity, like I said. But I think I, as I became a parent, I realized lots of different things, (laughs) very eye opening.
0: I bet you did, especially (laughs) when you have two children. I mean, you might have one child and yes, that's a massive learning curve, but when you put another child in and you see how different they are, and yeah, yeah, and you have days that are different for yourself.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. And, you know, we're all human as well but I think what I probably underestimated before having children was the impact of um, nature you know I knew that there's obviously some you know biological things that happen for children that temperament's a factor but it wasn't probably until I had my first child and then when I had my second child that I realized they're so different and you know there's lots of right ways or good ways to be a parent um, but they might not, the way that we, you, my parent, might not actually suit that child at that time. And so being acknowledging that um, can help you be more flexible in your approach, which also can probably open up the fact that when you're seeking support, you know, you, you um, are seeking support for how to meet with your child. It's not about how to be the perfect parent.
0: Mm. Because mm, where's the perfect parent and what is it anyway?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it doesn't exist, does it?
0: <laughs> We're all real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we all have our own temperaments and personalities too. And sometimes they gel nicely with the child. I mean, I'm a mum of five and sometimes they don't. And I remember one day sitting, talking to a friend and one of my daughters stopped past or something. And I, I just said in this really quiet voice out of my child's hearing, I said, where did I get that one from? And she just <laughs> looked at me. My friend looked at me absolutely stunned and said, she's just like her mother and I went oh actually she is a bit
1: (laughs) yeah they reflect so much back at us yeah
0: Yeah. Yeah. so it's not you know but sometimes you can slide in easily and it's not just a particular child it might be a particular moment mightn't it that you know you a little stage that you find easy. And I think as parents, we all have stages that we find easier. Like I actually love toddlers and find I can meet them pretty nicely, but there are other stages that I just go, what the bloody hell's happening here? Yeah. You know, being a school mum is sort of, you know, that was hard for me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And see, I I really found the newborn stage, like the first few months, like excruciatingly, excruciatingly hard because I think I was so used to seeing, well, I'd worked predominantly with children who were preschool age and school age and having, you know, that some level of (laughs) communication. Yep. (laughs) I think becoming a parent is also about like relinquishing that control. um, Very much. Learning curve.
0: Yeah, I actually did a TED talk on surrender. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but, you know, that's the massive Learning curve. I mean, it goes on all through your life. I mean, I still am not a good surrenderer, but you know, just yeah. surrendering when you've got babies to that lack of control, there isn't any. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and that being a beginner and being a
0: learner, mm. um, even yeah. though you are a
1: psychologist
0: with all of your skills, yeah, you're back to the learner because it's your
1: yep. child and it's
0: twenty-four-seven. Yeah. And the it's first a time. <laughs> the
1: first time I've you know, met my child and and, le- and like I'm constantly learning about my exact child. And I think that's a really important take home for parents if they're thinking to, of seeing a psychologist is like I mentioned, you know, they're the expert in their child because they've known their child for a long time, a lot longer than um, our session.
0: Prof- yeah, a <laughs> professional who sees your child in an hour where they might be you know, interested because it's a new place so they might be showing different behaviours to what that parent is worried about anyway. So what are some of the signals that it could be helpful to take your child to a psychologist?
1: Yep, so I think there's there's a wide variety of reasons why children might see a psychologist. Um, Some of the probably common reasons are, you know, parents often bring their child to a psychologist when they've showing really challenging behaviors um and the parents um really struggling with um you know it might be uh, lots of emotions or lots of tantrums or oppositional behaviors um you know and I see children with a wide variety of um externalizing behaviors so you know um hitting kicking throwing things and whatnot um and then there's The what we call internalising behaviours such as like withdrawing from social situations or from different situations. So that's one of the the main presentations that I see in my work as well as seeing children um, that are experiencing some level of anxiety that's impacting on their participation in their like everyday life. And then Um, other reasons that children can see a psychologist is if there's concerns around their development so psychologists can often assess the child's development see if there's you know what the child's strengths are and um, where the child might be um, perhaps um, a bit delayed and then work with the family to um, support their child's development and then there's other things like um, a child um, experiencing like a traumatic experience, and um, or a stressful um, transition or um, life stage. So yeah. it's quite there's quite a broad a broad scope for psychologists supporting children.
0: And there's also things like assessments for, you know, like you say, developmental delays or perhaps you know, a diagnosis like autism for being on the spectrum? I don't know. that There's really incorrect ways of saying these things, aren't there? Yeah,
1: Yeah, so psychologists um, do provide assessment and diagnosis of things um, like autism or ADHD, um, anxiety disorders, um, developmental delay, intellectual disability too. So, you know, there's, there's two aspects of the role. There's that assessment and then there's, the what we call intervention or the the support
0: right so it's a big role isn't it I mean and the thing is too I don't know that people are aware of how many years of study it takes to become a psychologist
1: yeah it's a long
0: it's a long (laughs) Long. road
1: (laughs) it is a long road so um you do minimum four years of university study plus two years either um further university study or um a um uh, in supervised internship so I did the um, supervised internship so all up I'd done part of my initial training and I say initial because I think being a psychologist involves lifelong um, continuing development mm-hmm. but I think I did five years of uni and two and a half years of um, supervised internships so it's a long it's a long road um but for me it's totally worth it because it's where my passion lies and to me it's also probably more than just a job because it does involve you know just continuing to learn and be open to um growing as a professional but also as um, a person as well Mm, it's
0: a lot yeah so how old do children need to be when parents are considering do I need to take my child to a psychologist or would it be helpful not do I need but I guess you know could this be an, be an avenue for me to get professional support?
1: Yeah, so they say that early intervention is the best. So if we can get support to children as early as possible, then um, that's probably the best um, mode of action. So I know that different, so so I think an important thing to note though is that different psychologists, because psychology is so broad, you know, I I work mainly with children and families, but some psychologists work with different populations, whether it's adult populations, or whether it's in like businesses and um, uh, companies doing marketing, advertising, recruitment, you can work in forensics, you can work in
0: HR. HR, yeah, there's
1: so many different avenues, research, so, it's it's. Um, I think it's just important to notice that not, not all psychologists will um, um, specialize in children, and then not all psychologists will um will also work with um, infants as well. But it is um possible to even have support for your, you know, baby if you're concerned. I think if parents are concerned, then then um, reaching out to different supports, which may include a psychologist is really helpful, Um, but what the support that you receive may look a bit different. So with children, you know, usually age zero to six, it's usually the parents are very heavily involved in the sessions, the parents are usually in the sessions and there's a lot of parent coaching Um, and, again, focusing on um, working with the parent to support their child through the um, child's daily routines rather than doing direct therapy with um, the child. So, you know, what that might look like is the parent is finding it really difficult to take them to say to, to the supermarket or out in the community, you know. Um, what might happen is the child might be constantly trying to run away, um, they might be just grabbing things off the shelves, um, you know, throwing things, yelling, screaming. Um, there's like probably a whole variety of different things that could be happening in that situation. Now, in that situation, particularly when the child's very young, it's probably not going to be very helpful for me to sit down with the child and say, Hey, you know, like we kind of need you to, um, you know, just sort yourself
0: in out and- in the supermarket <laughs> just do it, down and, I mean, trolley and shut up.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it was that easy, I probably wouldn't even be, um, but- a psychologist with children because parents <laughs> would be able to do it themselves <laughs> uh, but what um what I would um do with um young children is sit down with the parents discuss what's happening in those situations try and see what's going on for that child behind the behavior you know is it that the child gets so overwhelmed with all the sensory input that's coming from the supermarket? Is it that the child's bored? Is it that um, the child's not having some type of um, need met, whether it's like, you know, even just an opportunity to connect with the parent? Because, you know, sometimes in the supermarket, we're all just trying to get him, get out, get everything we need and not forget anything. And um, sometimes children can feel really disconnected in those times too. So it's about being a little bit of a detective with the parent and working out what is going on with the child. And then we will brainstorm with the parent what we can do because one thing we can't control is the child's behavior um we can't just tell them no stop we <laughs> <Don't>
0: do <it." laughs> can try but it doesn't work <laughs> we can try but
1: it doesn't work what we can do is control um the triggers for the child's behavior or at least give the child um some ways to cope with them so if it is that you know um there is too much noise going on in the um the supermarket it's maybe it's about the child wearing headphones or if it's that the child's feeling really disconnected at that time it's about giving um helping the parent have some micro moments whilst doing the shopping to you know make eye contact and smile or include their child in in the shopping experience and doing it that way so again that involves a lot of collaboration with parents and that can continue throughout you know primary school and into high school too, because all children do need the support of their parents and um, all individuals, regardless of our age, we can be, you know, quite sensitive to the environment and what's happening around us. Um, So it's through changing some of those things that we can change, you know, how we feel and uh, what we kind of do in those situations. Um, But you see lots more of that direct um, therapy happens as children Um, as their communication skills develop um, and as they're getting um, a bit uh, like older which would generally communication and um, age go hand in hand but sometimes not always yeah as children are able that it's able to communicate then therapy might be more um yeah, directed at the child. And sometimes
0: children might just have, you know, as adolescents might have developmental things that they're worried about, you know, about gender identity or sexuality or things like that. That they might it might be helpful to talk through, which is, again, something very much harder, I guess, for the parents. Maybe I don't know, or or even at the moment with so much going on in the world, you know, I mean, a six, seven, or eight year old could be, they could have heard a little bit of something on a TV about a war and be frightened or the floods and be worried that it's going to happen to them have you got any tips right now for the parents that are feeling this heaviness
1: yeah i think that it's definitely just a really hard time i think for us to live in like we've just been slammed um particularly you know in australia in australia we've had you know bushfires then then covid and floods and now um we're you know kind of witnessing even though it's across the globe um you know, the, the war, and I think that firstly just acknowledging that it is a really hard time to parent and it's a really hard time mm. to be a child too, like it must be so confusing because kids don't have the ability to fully be aware of the ins and outs of what's happening. So I, I suppose... With all the
0: lockdowns that the kids have had, you know, they've had all their school years interrupted for the last couple of years, particularly yeah. out in Melbourne and, you know, particularly lots of in and out of school... And people around them getting sick and they they actually have a fear that if they get COVID there, you know, someone will die. So it's yeah. pretty serious for stuff for kids. And then of course you've got the floods happening yeah. for those children. It's pretty yeah. pretty been pretty horrendous.
1: Yeah. And I think our sense of safety is so important to our mental health. Um and some of these Things can really rock our sense of safety in the world um, for adults and and children. So, you know, it's quite normal for children during these times and, you know, particularly at the moment to, you know, maybe be a little bit more oppositional um, or a little bit more, you know, we use these words, but like clingy or a bit more emotionally needy wanting to be with their parents more, um, you know, they might be a lot more emotional, a lot more crying than normal. Um, you might see particularly in younger children um, a little bit of skill regression. So things like, you know, a child that might be a little bit toilet trench might have some, you know, more accidents uh, than normal. So these are all beca- behaviours and um, experiences to to kind of in one way normalize but also we don't want to ignore them we want we still want to be supporting children through this especially when they are starting to show all those signs Um,
0: so what can parents do i mean is it a case of the parents trying to think how they can bring some lightness into the family or you know teachable moments or what what can they actually you know how can they discuss these hard things with little children well not even little children even Primary school age children, or teenagers, perhaps, but primary school age children, perhaps, and preschool age children, that somehow yeah. are thinking, well, you know, yeah. why is think- mummy and daddy upset? Why are mummy and daddy short with me? Because when we get stressed, we get short.
1: Exactly. Like children, young children might not be able to understand what's happening, but they get a sense that something's different, or that our parent, that their parents, stress. Um, so yeah, I suppose that's a good point to make. Don't presume that just because a child's young and doesn't understand big concepts like COVID or or um, floods that they're not affected by it. Um, but I think for parents, I think the first thing I would say is, you know, put on your own oxygen mask first. So we we'll use the analogy that you know when you're on a plane, there's a, there's an emergency, put your own mask on um, before you um, help your children. Same goes here because children do pick up on our stress. We, want, we need to spend some um, time um, helping regulate our own feelings and emotions, especially if we are going to enter into interactions with our children. And these can just be really tiny moments where you, you know, you take a, a deep breath in and out or you just slow down your everyday tasks and focus on what's happening in the moment, you know. So it might be, you know, you're not going to get out of, um, you're not going to be able to not do the washing up and do a meditation, but you could bet- potentially bring some of the peace that w- you might find in a meditation in, into the washing up by, by um, being really process-focused and really taking time to use all your senses to engage yourself in that task. So I think that's an important thing as well as validating your own emotions as a parent. You know, it's really hard to parent um, particularly at this time so being kind to yourself and and letting yourself have those hard moments and particularly when you might be more witnessing um, some really tragic events but not necessarily experiencing themselves it's still important to have that compassion um, for yourself as well and, you know, still acknowledge um, what you're going through rather than trying to deny those feelings because that can just make the struggle worse.
0: Are you an C lactation consultant in private practice or an aspiring C? That's an international board certified lactation consultant with great clinical skills, but no idea how to set up and grow a business. I know you're committed to helping women. I know you're longing to reach more mothers in your beautiful business, so you can share your passion and knowledge and support more breastfeeding families. But are you wondering, where do I even begin to get clients? Let alone set up a sustainable, successful practice that also supports me and my own family, As an C and multiple award-winning businesswoman with my own private practice, I can guide you to set up and grow your private practice in my Booby Business Bootcamp. Whether you have just passed your exams or if you've been practicing for a few years and want help to grow your business, come and join our successful happy bootcampers who are making a difference to families in Australia and across the world. We have bootcampers from Canada, Europe, New Zealand, Asia and here in Australia. My Booby Business Bootcamp is open for enrolments right now. If you are quick, you can get a generous early bird discount before this offer ends. Head over now to www.boobybusinessbootcamp.com. <music>
1: You're squashing
0: them down, aren't you? Yeah. You know, I just read somebody's um, Instagram post about how they were feeling that the whole world was so heavy. It was a mum and yet they were quite privileged, but they also had this sense of helplessness that they couldn't do anything anyway other than perhaps donate some money to the people who are caught in the floods or you know, whatever, but just felt that, that heaviness. And you go just because it isn't happening to us doesn't mean we don't have feelings.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, it's so important to hold yourself care towards those feelings, whether it's care about how you're feeling in reaction to the things that are happening or just how you're feeling in regards to the like everyday hard stuff as well as a parent, you know, your mm. child not sleeping is still really hard. You know, yes. having your child melting down like all day um, is still really, hard and you know when it's comparing our suffering to other people's no one's gonna gonna win and there's no
0: gold medals is there because my baby wakes up twice a night and it's that's really hard for me but her baby's waking up 10 times a night so I shouldn't complain yeah
1: (laughs) we don't need to um have compassion on a budget no, no,
0: that's right. Yeah, that's a
1: good one. Yeah, it's yeah. infinite. So, you know, being compassionate to ourselves doesn't mean we're taking away feeling compassionate to other people, you know. I think, you know, particularly mothers or parents can agree that, you know, you think you have your first child and you think that you possibly can't love another child just as much, but then you have another child and you all of a sudden your love grows. Compassion is like that, you know. You can feel compassion um, to yourself and that doesn't stop you from having enough compassion to other people. It actually can grow the compassion you have for others. So well, it's to... having
0: some empathy too, isn't it, for others? If you're finding yeah. it hard, you can go, well, she must be finding it hard too or oh, yeah. she's finding it harder than me. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's it. Yeah.
0: I know, that's a really good point because I often think people don't feel they're allowed to have feelings because it's actually not the same for them. Like, I'm not in a flood, so yeah. I can't have a feeling about the people in the flood, you know, or I don't deserve to, or whatever. I mean, I think the older you get and the more skilled you get, the less, the more you can compartmentalize. But I think for some people, it, it's a very emotional time, particularly if you're a brand new mother, your emotions seem to be so much yeah. more heightened, don't they?
1: Yeah. And I actually read something the other day which really um, put things in perspective too, you know, parenting, it is a social, do they say a social service? I can't remember if that was the exact words, but you know, you are doing something for Mm. society by nurturing your family and your children. You know, that's what's growing the future of today. And it's okay to focus on your family and your children. That is important work in itself. I
0: think I read something similar too. Maybe it was the same thing you know, Mm -hmm. you are doing a valid, important job, you know, being a parent. You don't have to be a parent plus, you know, do 50 million other things, you know. Mm. And a child doesn't care if you're the leader of the free world. It doesn't care. They just want to know, connect with you. Yeah, so true. So they need that input. Yeah, you are doing a good thing just by looking after your children. Yes, I've been talking to a mother in ukraine and saying to her but you know she's thinking she'd like to do much more to help the her people and i'm going but you're mothering your children Mm. that is really important yeah Yeah. and and right now keeping your children safe is massive and keeping well i mean you know if you're in a flood if you've got you know if covid's all around you just the fact that you can keep your children and your family safe and i don't mean safe from getting sick or safe from anything else is that emotional safety and that connectedness, and if that's all you do all day, that's okay. Yeah, we put a lot of pressure. There's a lot of, um, a lot of glorifying busyness.
1: Yeah, yeah, and doesn't get us very far. No, and you know I love social activism, but there's different ways of doing it, and sometimes it is focusing on such small.
0: You know, more things, small children. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And, you know something I've been telling myself too um, amongst all of this is you know uh, looking at the seasons of you know life and you know at the moment, it's like I know, you know I am raising two children. you know I am focused on um, you know education and supporting families in um, their parenting. But there is a limit that what I can do as a person, particularly at this stage of my life with parenting being so intense and just allowing myself to not have not take on too much because, you know, there'll be a time where hopefully I can give more of myself, but it's not necessarily right now.
0: No, it might be when you're 50 or 60. It might, you know, like my yeah. kids have grown up, so my life is a little bit different. I can give some things, but even then you still have to protect yourself. But you know your own well-being but if you're looking after your small children they have to come first don't they that's this is your role right now and helping other parents is a part of that but it's not you know your priority has to be your own little circle yeah well because what sort of hypocrite would you be if you're out there helping everybody else in your own children (laughs) ignoring (laughs) ignoring yeah
1: Sorry, kid, I'm
0: looking after this mother over here. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You just have to sort yourself out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we try and avoid that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I love how you, you know, you are really putting the parents, you're empowering these parents rather than, I mean, empowering is such a cliche word, but you are empowering parents to nurture their own children with connection Mm. rather than seeing you as the expert.
1: Yes, and I think that connection is a really big key in um how we do move forward through these difficult events because what we know is that it's not necessarily the stressful event that determines um mental health outcomes um you know not everyone who experiences a stressful event will go on to have um trauma just say um what we know is that you know the skills you have available to you the connections you have Um, will also determine that. So if we're looking at how we can support our children and our little ones at home, it is about nurturing that um, connection that you have with your your child and making them feel safe within your relationship with them as well. So by, you know, responding to um, their needs, you know, having, you know, doing little, you could be being playful with them and still taking that time to connect with them that way responding to their needs, um, by doing all of those things, we're creating a secure base for them. And so they can be kind of held held within our metaphorical arms, so to speak, and sheltered within that. Um, yeah, that so,
0: relationship safety is, yeah, it's so much more than even just environmental safety, isn't it? Yeah, really? it's, it's extremely protective. Yeah right that's good to know resilience yeah that's that's good to know that we don't and when you just mentioned resilience some people might think oh well if we get kids to harden up they'll be resilient
1: yeah that's about that A common misconception (laughs) yeah so it's a common misconception that we need to um, show kids um, a bit of tough love in order for them to um, be able to cope with the toughness of the world but the thing is, when you're doing that, you're not really teaching a child how to do that. They're kind of left bent for themselves. And what we know about child development, particularly child, um, well, human emotional development, is we it kind of develops over time and through interactions with um, our our caregivers or our attachment figures or our, our parents. So through through a parent responding to the needs of their children whether it's like you know if you're at home and you've got um a a newborn baby and this is feeling like how do I protect them from the world like um zooming into your daily routines you know nurture um responding to their cries cradling them um and just loving them is, is such a gift that you're giving your children and then you know as children With older children, it's much of the same themes, but what it might also look like is, you know, really validating their emotions, creating a space that allows them to feel a little bit worried or feel a bit scared, because that's a total normal experience. If we deny children um, that feeling of of scaredness, they're going to kind of distrust, you know, what their body is telling them and we don't want to do that and we don't want to deny the feelings because what we know is that denying feelings can make the feelings actually grow a lot bigger um so creating space for them to be scared but also reassuring them that you know you're you are there for them you know the feeling in itself is safe and yeah just allowing them to to feel and to you know talk through it in however they can
0: there's some beautiful little books aren't there there's a lovely little books with the bunny on the front the when I feel when I feel sad when I feel like oh, yeah. Tracy Maroney that yes, they're quite beautiful them. little books yeah. to have a chat with the children about feelings too aren't they
1: yeah they are good um to open up some some dialogue as well and to to share with them um and and I think sometimes there can be a lot of nonverbal stuff as well. Mm. So, Well, like you were saying about
0: communicating through behaviour rather than expressing it verbally. And if you're helping that yeah. child calm down, they get the, you know, rather than saying, oh, buck up, you know, that's nothing to worry about. You know, they're starving children in Africa or whatever people mm. might say to children. You know, in a generation ago, it would have been, well, stop crying or I'll give you something to cry for. You know, those sort yeah. of things that really only push those emotions down or tell kids that they can't trust their emotions so by you know what could what could you know I'm throwing a tantrum and I'm a three-year-old what could what could mummy do
1: (laughs) yeah so yeah it's it's about maybe saying something like you know this is a really this is really hard for you right now I mean depending what it is so just say Hmm. the child's throwing um a tantrum they really want you know, the purple cup, not the pink cup. Um, it's never just about the cup, but it looks yeah. like it's the cup. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you you might say it's really hard. It's really hard when we can't have the colored cup we want. Oh, this is this is so hard for you. Oh, and you know, depending on the situation, you might be able to say something like, If the purple cup was um clean, I would give it to you. Um, or if I could, I would give it to you. And yeah empathizing with them too in a non-verbal way you know if we're standing over a child telling them oh it's really hard it it still creates an empower balance between us and the child so sometimes it is about getting down to their level you know having a calming tone as well be like oh oh it's really hard when you can't it's really hard.
0: I'd hate it if my, you know, if my brother knocked over my block tower or yeah, something like that. Just that empathy,
1: yeah, that shared experience as well. Mm. And so, and I'll acknowledge that that's really hard to do as a parent as well. Oh, hell yes, when it's the
0: 20 nights time that the toddler is yeah. yelling because the baby's got into something or he or he just feels
1: out of sort because there is a baby.
0: The baby's done nothing. Yes, <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, and that's where the taking a deep breath. And also just, you know, I say picking your flights. You know, if it is about the colour cup or something the child wants, you know, thinking about do I have the emotional capacity of myself to enforce that boundary? You know, if the child is safe, oh, yes. no matter what what happens, is, am I really willing to follow through or am I just going to say, yes, you can watch another episode of Bluey? Because you know that you cannot emotionally you validate for that child at that time if mm. they were to react to whatever boundary you're putting in place. Mm. I, I think that might be particularly relevant now with all the stress, the parent, extra stress that parents are carrying around.
0: And yeah, really does it matter if they watch another episode of Bluey? You know, is any small children going to get hurt because he watches an extra yeah. episode of Bluey right now when I can't, you know, when I'm at the end of my week and I need my yeah. lunch and um, all that, whatever's going on for the parent? Yeah. It's not really that big a deal. It's not just about being right, is it?
1: Yeah, no. And it's not about, I, I say, that not every moment is a teachable moment. You know, there are moments Ooh. where we can pause there are moments we can connect with our child and there's moments to teach. So, you know, sometimes parents, when it comes to, you know, the, another episode of the, the um, Bluey or, you know, your child, you know, if your child wants a particular cup, you're thinking, oh, I can't always give them the right the colour cup they want because then they're going to grow up to be spoiled and expect them to always want that so they far want. ahead,
0: don't we? Yes, we so jump to the end. what if you the milk back into the purple cup and you have to watch the, watch the yellow one because you the milk in the other one
1: yeah, yeah but there's please. all these stories we tell each tell it tell ourselves which aren't even us really telling ourselves it's what kind of the broader society is kind of drilling into us is this fear-based yes. parenting that yes. you you have to act now and actually we can slow things down we can oh. slow things down we can say in this moment I don't need to teach them the lesson of that they can't have everything they want um, in this moment, I can say yes to a bit of extra screen screen time because I'm super tired and it's been a day. And you know, when I'm not feeling as depleted, I might be able to then turn the TV off. Um, we can kind of release ourselves from fear, knowing that it's, you don't need to teach the lesson in the moment, you know, well, that is have such time. a
0: great message. Yeah, because I think we. I mean, being a grandmother, I probably got that perspective, you know, that it doesn't matter. But I do remember reading in the paper, you know, my own kids were quite young and some woman was writing a parenting column. God knows who she was. She's not around now. But I think it was just one of the reporters from the newspaper or something. And some mother's kid had thrown a tantrum, didn't want to get in the car out of the supermarket trolley. So the mum put a hand in the trolley, grabbed a piece of chocolate, gave it to the kid as she shoved her in her car seat, you know, and the mum, I think the mum had a baby as well as this toddler. Now that child will always want chocolate when it goes to the supermarket. And I'm mm. thinking, oh, for goodness sake, no. get good on your mum, you've got your kid in the car seat. You know, that was my reaction. No. Because this isn't every moment. Children. It's not every moment. And will that kid yeah. even remember? And was that kid hungry? And did mum need to get home to feed the baby? You know, all yeah. those, that stress of going to the supermarket with a baby and a toddler, who cares if the toddler got a piece yeah. of chocolate?
1: <laughs> yeah, it For won't sure.
0: ever want chocolate.
1: In, the, in those situations where everyone is heightened, there's going to be no learning, anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah. the child isn't going to be like, "Oh, mum didn't give me the piece of chocolate, so I know that I can't get it every time." The child is going to be upset,
0: yeah. and they and won't get in the car seat. They're going to arch their back. Mum's not going to get it in, and then the baby will start crying, and we'll all go to hell at yep. a
1: where if you want to teach a child, you know, that they can't have chocolate every time, maybe one time when you're at the supermarket and everyone is still calm, still regulated, maybe that's an opportunity to say. And you could even say it before the meltdown happens. Like today, we're going to the supermarket, but we can't get everything. We can't get treats every time we go to the supermarket. So today's the day that we're not going to get a treat before mm. the, the meltdown or the request even happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds... Good. yeah so those are some really good practical things for parents okay now before we finish how do we go to find out more about your work and you've got quite a presence on social media as well and the information that you share for parents and i will put that in the show notes so okay thanks pinky i
1: I'm, I'm most active on Instagram, so Growing Gently Psychology. Um, I also have a Facebook page and a website, www.growinggentlypsychology.com.au.
0: Great. And we'll put those in the show notes so people can follow you anyway, you know, because we can't always remember, we can't always grab a pen when we're, you know, people do all sorts of things as they're listening to podcasts. That's they it. might be feeding the baby, they might be going for a walk, they might have their headphones in, or they might be driving in the car. Oh, yeah, whatever, yeah. So, yes. And then a question I ask all the mums because we all have tits-up moments and I know that even even professionals that know all the answers have tits-up moments. So can you tell us a personal tits-up mummy moment with your kids? And it can be, you know, any stage they're at, it can be funny, it can be hard, it can be embarrassing, it can be something that might have been a challenge to you.
1: Well, you asked me this before the episode and I was like, which one? (laughs) there's so many and they kept happening in the lead up to here and I'm like oh should I do this one should I do this one (laughs) which one should I talk about but I think I've I've narrowed it down and it's something I have shared actually on social media but I think it was probably when my second child was only just a few weeks old and I was still getting into the flow which I probably still am of balancing the two children's needs and I was sitting on the lounge feeding the baby and my toddler ran off and she went very quiet but I was kind of like "Mm, there's probably something going on but I need to be the baby so time just escaped me (laughs) and I ended up getting up and going in and she was in her bedroom and she had a paint stick not sure if you know what they are but (laughs) and it was a red one (laughs) Great colour and she had literally put it everywhere. I think there's nothing more efficient than a toddler on a mission. She had put the paint stick all over her bedspread, all over her pillow, all over her furniture. She coloured in each knob of her, her toy boy. She'd paint, put it on all of the bases of her toys, like her dolls and whatnot. She'd put it all over the toy chest, all over the walls. It was like the biggest Mess ever, and it was particularly triggering for me because, you know, as my as we're waiting for my baby to be born, uh, you know, you're feeling a little bit, you know, always guilty about you know introducing another baby in the world. So I thought I'm going to make her a really special bedroom or be her space space and all her different um all her different things, and so she did this. She just destroyed it, <laughs> and I was like. Are you serious? Um, and yeah, so in that moment, <laughs> he was like, you know, you didn't, didn't I just wanted to explode. <laughs> or did and you remember yeah, to take a deep breath? It is, and this is where um, that teachable moment really came in. You know, I could have gone in and just unleashed and been like, "What are you doing? Like, you've destroyed the place!" and yelled at her. Um, but I thought, you know what? That's just going to make me upset. It's going to make the baby upset. And then I'll be like struggling everyone's demands. So I just took a deep breath and said, let's go. And we just left the room and I set her up with a different activity. And then I confiscated all the paint sticks, took them away. (laughs) That was a lesson that I should have done. I should have done that in the first place Um, and set her up happy. Maybe she was watching TV. I can't remember. And then I just went in and started to clean. Didn't even hadn't even mentioned what she'd done, although she looked extremely guilty. So I think she had some sense. And I just cleaned. And as I cleaned, I I, I had time to kind of reflect on what was happening. So even though my first thought was like, "What a terror! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why how has she done this to me?" I was like, you know what? She's fighting this hard. I've had a baby. I am sitting on the lounge giving all my attention and all the um my boobs to this new baby and she's just feeling left out and it really had gave me time to have some perspective. So mm, well done mama. Well done <laughs> that's one of the times there's lots of times where it hasn't turned out like that. But yeah.
0: but you know well done that you did take that breath and reflect a bit. But yeah it's it's big. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, all I can think of is this room with red paint sticks all through. Oh,
1: my goodness, yes. And (gasps) just the paint sticks are locked away now, so hopefully it won't happen again.
0: (laughs) Yes. And what's your best tip for mums to be the mother you want to be?
1: Yeah, so I feel like well, what I was originally going to say, I've already kind of mentioned, um, which is about not every moment's a teachable moment. yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah yeah and i think that's that's excellent yeah. i think that's a really great tip for mums you know that, that it's not going to matter you know yeah. will it matter in five years time or five days time it probably won't yeah. this is what you have to do at the moment it's yeah.
1: just you only have to do now
0: yeah and you have to survive now yeah
1: <laughs> get yeah. through
0: oh thank you so much rebecca for sharing today you've, you've going to help so many mums and you know you're so down to earth about the realities of having children i think that's the best part about talking to real mums you know mums who might be professionals or mums who might be everyday mums in some other way it's just beautiful that you have that honesty you've explained gently and kindly what happens when mums do need to seek professional help
1: thanks so much pinky pleasure and an honor to be on your show oh it's wonderful having you
0: tits up ladies pull up your big girl pants we can do this we are mothers in the spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the traditional owners and custodians of this country and their connection to land, water, and community. We pay our respect to them, their cultures and customs, and to elders past, present, and emerging. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tits Up. This podcast was produced by Dave Stokes. For more information, connections with our guests, and special offers from our show sponsors, please pop over to my website. And check out the show notes, www.pinkymccade.com. I would love it if you could please share the love by leaving a review. Five-star reviews will help other mums to find this support and information too.